Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Boar Sport Podcast with me, Sam Matthews Bomer. Now, that name might surprise some of the more regular listeners of the podcast, but I'm delighted to say that last week, Saturday, I took over from Luke and this is therefore my first podcast. It may be a bit of a shambles, but we'll see how it goes. Um, today, I'm kind of metaphorically joined or sat down with uh, Luke James, uh, the former sport editor of The Boar, who has very helpfully come on and will hopefully guide me through through this experience. And also Jack McRae and Mitchell Ryan, two Boar sport writers who have contributed over the past few months quite regularly. So England beat San Marino 5-0 on 25th of March last Thursday. And I think it will raise some interesting questions looking ahead to the summer. So we'll start first of all with Gareth Southgate's squad selection, which came out last week um, for this round of games. There are some quite controversial choices uh, highlighted by Ben Northcott's very interesting article on why Trent Alexander-Arnold was left out of the squad. So, Jack, what did, what did you make of the squad selection? Were there any surprises there? Well, I was, I was surprised to see Trent Alexander-Arnold drop. I thought that was a harsh, um, considering how well he's performed over the last couple of seasons in particular. I thought it was, he was, Falco was almost trying to make a point that no one is undroppable. But I don't think he quite hit the mark with this one. I think it was harsh and almost a bit too hasty to drop. Uh, Trent, mm-hmm. given how well he has been for England and Liverpool recently. Aside mm-hmm. from that, though, I think that it was a good like set of rotation by Southgate, like giving out Ollie Watkins his first game and giving quite a few players coming back, Jesse Lingard, who's been sensational for West Ham. I think it's quite good to give people with better chance because Southwick has been accused of his, having his favourites. So I think it's a chance for him to move away from that potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. But especially on the kind of Trent Alexander-Arnold news, I think the reasons that Southgate gave for leaving out the squad didn't really fit with me. And I think that, he, I mean, as you said, he's got his favourites and Kieran Trippier is very, very firmly one of those favourites. So looking ahead to the tournament, Mitchell, who do you think Southgate is going to take in terms of right back? Um, I mean, obviously, it was a big statement to leave out Trent, and that is potentially, obviously, might not be a popular uh, option, but certainly for Southgate, I think he's already got such a selection dilemma at right back that having Trent sort of dip in form this season, having him drop from his admittedly very, very high standards that he's set over the last few seasons, is sort of alleviated some of his headache there. I think he's sort of now drifting towards the other options that he's got as right back. And he's saying, you know, well, Trent's been in poor form, so he doesn't play. And that's sort of allowed him to pick the other people that are perhaps uh, also deserving of recognition. I think um, Trippier, like he said, one of his favourites, he'll be on the plane undoubtedly, I think. Um, if he misses out, it'll be a big shock. I think Reese James as well. He um he played pretty well against San Marino, I think, and uh, he'll probably be one of the uh, one of Southgate's options, and maybe Kyle Walker just because he likes to uh, you know sort of um, play him at right back and centre back, so he has that versatility there. But uh, it'll be unfortunate, but there are a lot of people that are going to miss out because of this, and 
Um, Alexander Arnold could, unfortunately, very much be one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you say, it's, there's so many options for England. It's almost quite an unusual situation. I think at the moment they've got, got somewhat of a golden generation, I would say, which made me quite surprised to see that Jesse Lingard had, as soon as he plays a couple of good games for West Ham, mm-hmm. is straight back in the squad. So Luke, as a kind of avid West Ham fan, does Jesse Lingard deserve to be back in the England no, squad? No, because his, well, the issue that I have with, with Jesse Lingard being in the team has absolutely nothing to do with his form, because as you've said, he's, he's played really, really well for West Ham. Quite simply, the important thing to remember is that the squad that we're talking about now started off as a 26-player squad that was then subsequently cut to 23 players. There isn't a hope in hell that Jesse Lingard gets on the plane when there's only 23 players for the Euro. So I just think it was ridiculous to include him kind of for this set of fixtures. So in terms of his form, yeah, fair enough. He's probably been the best number 10 kind of that England has on offer in terms of availability at the moment with kind of Grealish and Madison out. But no, he's not going to get on the plane. So it seems a little bit foolish to include him in the squad. It would have made more sense to have another striker fill in. So kind of to have a look at Patrick Bamford, for example, I just think there were better options in terms of testing out the national pool rather than a player who we who we already know lots about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of that that topic of do you select a player based on form or do you select it based on their performances for England and their performances across even like the past twenty four months or something like that, which kind of takes us on to the kind of next subject of the podcast, which is I asked you all before 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 the podcast to prepare your kind of starting 11s for England. And obviously a lot comes into this. A lot will ultimately come into this for Gareth Southgate as he selects his squad. He'll have to look into a player's recent form, such as Jesse Lingard's good couple of games for West Ham. He'll have to look into how they've done for England. So traditionally someone like Trent, may not have put in particularly outstanding performances for England. So therefore, does he deserve to be in the squad? So I'm going to kind of take a progressional approach to asking you your 11s. So I'm going to ask you your formations and your goalkeepers, the defence, the midfield and the attack. So starting off with your goalkeeper, Jack, who who is your starting goalkeeper for England at Euro 2020? For me, it's Pickford. Um, I know he's had his ups and Many you have many downs, but I still think he's the best keeper for England, given the way they want to play out from the back and his distribution. In comparison to like Nick Pope, who's used to lumping the ball up to uh, Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood every week, Pickford's much more suited to this England team. There is a case for Dean Henderson. Um, mm-hmm. If he continues his form at United and stays number one in De Gea's absence until the end of the season. But for me, I'd go Pickford's number one in goal. Yeah, i put Jordan Pickford as my number one as well, basically for exactly the same points as why, why you picked him. I think his ball distribution is 10 times better than Pope's. I mean, Pope's a very good goalkeeper, but you watch him on the ball and he looks like a catch on a swim. Um yeah, and as you say, we I don't think we've really seen enough of Dean Henderson. I'm not sure you can pick a goalkeeper as your starting goalkeeper at such a major tournament without him having been first choice for his club side. So I'm not sure he's quite ready. But Luke, do you disagree um, with that? Yes, I do. For me, I think Pope is, is England's best 
goalkeeper. There's a couple of reasons why. Uh, first of all, if, if you just look at the save percentage kind of across their careers, Dean Henderson and Nick Pope are, are way ahead of, of Jordan Pickford in terms of what they're contributing in that sense. And as much as it's going to be important that England are able to build from the back, I don't think Nick Pope is as bad at distributing as people imagine. Um, and kind of if we look at some of the more kind of advanced mm-hmm. goalkeeper analytics metrics, kind of post-shot expected goals, which is essentially a method of, of assessing how good a goalkeeper is at, at preventing shots that should go in from, from going in. If you compare Pickford with Pope, so Nick Pope is currently outperforming his kind of post-shot XG by 15, which is huge compared to Jordan Pickford, who's down by one. And I just think things like that are really, really important. And if you compare that per 90, Pickford, uh, Pope, is, of course, is, is ahead of um, Pickford in that metric as well. And I just think Pope has spent his entire career, or at least kind of recent years, playing in a team that is just not designed to play out from the back. And we spend a lot of time talking about the fact that Pope can't play out the back, but we don't really have proof of that. We just have proof of the fact that he hasn't been asked to play out of the back. And even if it does transpire that Nick Pope is terrible with his feet, which I, I honestly don't think he is, to be completely honest, then it's fine because we can switch up the way we play anyway, because a lot of the time... England aren't that good in the transition anyway, and sometimes it can be better to go a little bit more direct in these international tournaments. So for me, I think uh, Pope is my number one, um, and Henderson's probably a close second in, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Well, you've hit me with statistics there, and to be honest, I've got no real answer. So, um, yeah, I think Pope could could potentially be a really good keeper. As you say, he's never really really been tested with his feet. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. I think it's almost a kind of situation where, in my opinion, where you almost want England to change goalkeepers game to game. Like if they're playing, I don't know, like in North Macedonia or someone like that, you want a Pickford in there to put those raking through balls to find a way through two lines of four where there might not otherwise be one. And then you want Pope with his, as you say, um, over 15, 15 more expected saves or whatever uh, than expected for the bigger games against your Germanys, your Frances, which which could be quite an interesting option. Now we'll move on to the defence. I mean, for me, quite a big thing on this front is the formation that we want England to be playing. So I've been, when I was selecting my team, I put together put it together as a kind of five at the back with three centre-halves. I'm not sure if you two or you three agree with me, but I think that that's the best way to kind of utilise England's attacking options with quite a solid defence. So so do you agree, Jack? I, I, I disagree with you that it will get the most out of England's attacking options. I think a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 would be much more suited um, in an attacking sense. But I, when like designing my 11, I did go with a like a three four three or five uh two three um because i think mm-hmm. i'm I'm more thinking about the say like the quarter final semi finals against a Germany or a France or Portugal it's a much more solid uh, and balanced setup, so that's what I went with with the three four three mm-hmm. i didn't Luke, so did you go to, that to be well? completely honest, I fully expect Southgate. Southgate to play a, a three four three or a five four one or whatever kind of label we want to put on it. I personally think England needs three in the middle. 
because that will give them the opportunity to play kind of a creative player in in kind of whether it be a number 10 role or have kind of two free eights as, as we talk about with someone like Kevin De Bruyne. So no, I, I've gone 4-2-3-1 in the way I've kind of set it up for today. Mm-hmm. And and Mitchell, have have you gone for a four-back or a five-back? Uh, I've gone for a 4-3-3. Um, I think... 4-3-3? Yeah, uh, maybe a bit left field. I think uh, the, the five at the back sort of for me, feels as much as Kansas Southgate does utilize it, it feels very 2018 World Cup to me. Um, I think like recently you've seen England move to more of a four at the back uh, at times. I think at San Marino, that was the main play there. And I think we get the most out of the world if we stick with a three in the middle. So um, if we had that one holding midfielder and then perhaps like a a deep lying playmaker and a more advanced playmaker. So there's just like that link between defense and attack. Uh, I think that will probably get the most out of field and front line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite an interesting question, isn't it? Because Southgate is becoming increasingly clear as the years go on, is very much kind of stuck in his own uh, mold with his own favorites and his own favorite formations as well, which is kind of why I formed my three at the back kind of formation because as as Luke said I can't really see him deviating away from that so so to kind of keep it in order I think me and Jack will go through our five-man defenses and then we'll go to Luke and Mitchell with with your four-man defenses so Jack who have you put across the back line well I think the three center half if it is a three four three or five two three I think they pick themselves as very much Walker, right centre-half, Maguire in the middle and Stones on the left, or swap Maguire and Stones. Um, you can make a case for Michael Keane coming in, or, I mean, the depth at, the depth at centre-back isn't too deep. Uh, ben Godfrey's had a good season at Everton, but he's not quite ready yet. So I think it's those three. And then right wing-back, I would go Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he's the best. Right back, England have got particularly a bit in this system where he's got Walker to almost cover him defensively because that's where he is weak. And then left wing back, partly why I chose this formation is to shoehorn the Kaio Saka in. Um, no Arsenal bias, of course, but he's been the outstanding player in a pretty dire Arsenal season. And he's played a considerable amount of football at left wing back. And Southgate did uh, play him there, the last set of international fixtures. And I think he offers something different uh, down that left-hand side. Because um, in a four, you, obviously it's Luke Shaw or Chilwell. But I think going forward, Saka is much, much better than the both of them. And in this system, he'll flourish yeah, I, I agree with you on on most of that defence, Jack. Um, I've also got Trent, I've got Walker, I've got Stones. And maybe surprisingly, I've got Saka as well. I've chose Trent and Saka because of their attacking abilities. I think one of the beauties of a three-man or five-man defence is that you've got the extra centre-half there to protect to protect the flanks, which you wouldn't necessarily have with four at the back. So I think those two are very good going forward and could really offer a different dimension. Um, but maybe, maybe 
quite interestingly, I've I've cut Maguire out of my eleven. Really? I think Harry Maguire is an extraordinarily limited footballer. I think he's slow. I think he's overrated on the ball. I think he is prone to very bad decision making, and he makes more mistakes than you'd expect from a top four centre half. Um, but the thing is, once I dropped Harry Maguire, I then very quickly realised that England don't really have any other centre-halves. So I looked at Michael Keane and thought, he's not a very good player. And then I was pretty stuck after that for any English centre-halves in the Premier League. Um, so then I came to Ben Godfrey, who might be a slightly controversial choice, considering he was playing for relegated Norwich last season. But he's played well for Everton this season. He's got all the attributes of a quality centre-half. He's strong, he's quick, he's good in the air and he's good on the ball. So might be slightly controversial, but my back five in total is Trent, Carl Walker, John Stones, Ben Godfrey and Bakayo Saka. So now moving on to... Just a quick question. Sorry. Um, does that Godfrey selection almost contradict your point about Pickford? Because Godfrey hasn't been first name on the sheet for Everton. Um, consistently, mm-hmm. and he quite a lot of his game times come out right back. Whereas for the mm-hmm. Pickford debate, you said you wanted a someone who's been starting every week. So I was just wondering, like, yeah, is it, is um, it just because Maguire is not good enough for you? I think it's partly because Maguire is not good enough, and it's partly because England don't really have much choice at the back. I think Ben Godfrey has played relatively consistently for Everton. I don't think you can say that he's not first choice. I think he's one of their first choice centre-halves, at least. And um, I also think that unlike unlike um, Dean Henderson, for example, um, we've seen enough of Godfrey to know his qualities. We know that he's quick. We know that he's strong. We know that he's good in the ball. And I think that's the opposite of Harry Maguire. I know it's a controversial choice and I'm mainly making it because I don't like Maguire at all. I mean, that might just be a personal thing, but that's why Ben. That's why I put Ben Godfrey in my team. I'm not sure what Mitchell and Luke have to say about that, but but maybe you can answer that as, as you take us through your four at the back for, in your formation. So, Mitchell, who have you put in your back um, line? So, I've gone forward from back line to both of you, actually. Obviously, you know, Back four is it requires different players to a back five, but um, I've actually gone for uh Reese James at right back. Um, I think he's been very good for Chelsea. Uh, obviously, doesn't play much at right wing back per se, that's more Callum Hudson Adoy's spot, but I think he, he is a very capable option for England. And if Alexander Arnold doesn't find his way back into the fold, I think Southgate's choice at the tournament, uh, maybe alternating with Trippier. Um, then my first centre-back is John Stones. I think fairly self-explanatory given the season he's had. And then one I'm surprised neither of you mentioned, actually, uh, Connor Cody is my other centre-back. Um, I think he's a good leader. He's played pretty well for England recently. Wolves aren't having the best season, but you know he's, he's been consistent for that. He's always there or thereabouts. Um, and I think Stones this season has shown to him, someone that can really marshal the back line, really rally the troops. And I think Connor Cody is that person. 
So he's taken the left centre back spot in my four three three, and then at left back, I was thinking of putting Luke Shaw in there, but I think under Tuchel, he's sort of come back in. I think Chilwell will actually be my starting left back for England at the Euros. I think if he keeps up some consistent form before the summer's tournament, um, obviously he's he's been playing a lot for England recently as well. Uh, I think he's a very solid choice at left back. Yeah, I think I think Connor Cody is a very interesting choice because um, he's kind of a Wolves. He's made his name as that central man in a three at the back formation. I'm not sure how he's performed for England in a four at the back, but but he seems more kind of adept at, at, at that position. Um, so do you think he can adapt to that four at the um, back formation? I or... think he's definitely capable of it. Obviously, if, if England do want to play a back three, then, you know, brilliant for him. He's He's, he's got a that is uh, capable and um, oh, would do well at that position. But I certainly think he has used to play in a back four and with someone uh, perhaps more standing next to him in John Stones as opposed to, you know, at Wolves, he has a bit of a rotation with like Dendonka or Saiz. Uh, I think Stones is definitely a better defender than them. So assurance next to him and they'll sort of uh, help each other, I think, if uh, England are to go with a back four. But obviously, he, he for me, he fits in both uh, back four for England. And um, yeah, I think he's a solid choice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Luke, um, the reason I haven't is because Cody? he typically plays in, in a back five rather than a back four. That's pretty much the only reason why I've, I've not gone with him. So my back four is Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, John Stones and Rhys James. Uh, briefly on Ben Godfrey, I think it's a really good shout. I don't think he's, he's in consideration to play for England at this tournament simply because he's playing for the under-21s at the minute. He started at centre-back in England's 1-0 defeat to Switzerland earlier this week. But I like him a lot. I mean, he's, he's made uh, 20 starts for Everton in the Premier League this year, made 21 appearances, and is he's good on the ball. And I think that's something that's really important for him going forwards. The reason why I've gone with, with Sean Maguire, Stones and James is relatively self-explanatory. I think Shaw has been really impressive for Manchester United recently. He's a completely different player under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Harry Maguire, um, he's probably the pick that I have to justify out out of the four. I don't particularly like him either. The reason I've still put him in the team, though, is simply because he's so good at set pieces. Um, Yes, he is error-prone. Yes, kind of, he's, he's not the best defender in the world, but he's very good at set pieces. And I think with the way I've set this team up, you can probably afford to have Maguire in. I also think he's a relatively good leader. I just think it makes sense to kind of keep him and Stones at the back too. And then Reese James, again, is a really good right back. I, I like the way he gets up and down the pitch. And under under kind of the new manager at Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel, he's impressed me when he's had the opportunity to play. So yeah, that that's my back four at the minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we move on to the midfield. I think this is probably the least controversial area, and as this is taking slightly longer than I thought it would, it'd be better on this this section. I think if we all go through our midfields, and then we can maybe discuss the more controversial picks. Um, so, Jack, who have you put in your midfield? Well, I'll, I was going to say this is quite a controversial area. Um, so, I've gone mm. with the two in midfield so I've gone five two three. Um so Henderson for me has to start. 
and then alongside yes. him you really there's a num you could I was thinking Calvin Phillips I think he offers more than Declan Rice or and then James Ward Prowse who was so good yesterday uh, offers something and I think James Ward Prowse should start if Trent Alexander Alexander Arnold doesn't just for his set pieces um, but the one I've gone for is Mason Mount um, also again yesterday mm-hmm. brilliant um, and I think he could if Henderson's in like a six number six role and mounts alongside him in a number eight I think that could work and offers a bit of cre- creativity uh, further back and also driving forwards of course mm-hmm. um, Mitchell have you also given room for James Ward-Prowse or a Calvin um, Phillips yeah well Obviously, I've gone for a three in midfield. So um, my tentative picks were uh, Calvin Phillips, Mason into the midfield rather than for uh, City at this season. Um, I think uh, Phillips is obviously a very good shout. He played well last night. Um, Certainly a good sort of link between defence and attack, I think. and capable of winning the ball back. He's been brilliant for Leeds this season. Uh, obviously, a bit controversial maybe to leave uh, Jordan Henderson out, but um, I think England perhaps uh, need to look a generation here. Uh, the, the likes of Jordan Henderson, though he's a great leader and I think he'll be a brilliant option off the bench. Um, but for me, I've gone with the midfield tree of uh, Phillips, Mount and Foden. Mm-hmm. Quite an attacking lineup. Uh, a lot of people that I've seen in their kind of predicted lineups have put Foden and even even Mount further forward. So mm-hmm. could be quite interesting. Uh, so Luke, my midfield three you, could either be with a single pivot or with a double pivot, kind of more advanced. So I have Declan Rice and Mason Mount and Phil Foden. Phil Foden obviously being the most advanced player of the three. Yeah, so there seems to be some kind of agreement on Mason Mount, which, which, yeah, which is interesting because he's a player that was kind of looked upon as one of Gareth Southgate's favourites and who maybe didn't necessarily deserve having his place in the team. But across the past year and especially this season, he seems to kind of consolidate it as his position as as one of the mainstays of of the England squad. So, so. That's quite interesting that a lot of you, a lot of you, think that he should be in the team. I've maybe done quite a controversial thing. I've put one player in my central midfield. I've kind of gone slightly crazy on the kind of football manager side of things. So I've put a single pivot, to use a technical term. Uh, I've put Declan Rice as my one one guy in that midfield. I think he's strong. He's good in the ball. He's played as a centre-half himself. He'll give decent protection to that defence. So I think he could do a decent job on his own there. Um, Jack, can you remind me of your midfield quickly? I remember. Uh, yeah, so it's Mount alongside Henderson as a two. Hen- yeah. Henderson's a very interesting one because like a year ago, we'd be speaking about him as one of the first names on the team sheet. But now he hasn't made it into either Luke or Mitchell's squad. So 
Luke, what is it about Henderson that has kind of led him to fall so far in, in seemingly a year? I know he's injured. Yeah, it's the injury. And I just think that you don't need Henderson and Rice. And I, I would pick Rice of the two because I think he offers more balance in the way that you can play. And I, I, I honestly think if Henderson wasn't injured, he'd probably be in my 11. But I think kind of the season that Liverpool have had, and I think it's important to remember that Jordan Henderson hasn't spent most of the season playing at, playing in central midfield. He spent a lot of it playing at centre-back and a lot of it playing in roles that don't really fit him anyway. So if we're Gareth Southgate and we're, we're trying to disseminate the idea that Trent Alexander-Arnold has been awful and shouldn't be in the team, then I think there would have to be questions asked about, about Jordan Henderson as well. I don't think that's a, a valid argument for either. I think they should both be in the squad for sure. Um, but no, Henderson not not in my team to start off with the the reason that I go with Rice is just because he's phenomenal defensively. He's one of the best defensive midfielders in the league. He's also a lot more progressive in possession than people give him credit for. I think if you watch him for West Ham, you'll see, and this was the case um, at the weekend against Arsenal, you'll see that he does bring the ball out of midfield quite often and he does look for forward passes. The difference when he plays for England is that he's asked to play a more reserved role, which is why social media erupts with kind of this guy can only pass sideways. Um, so yeah, that that's why for me it's, it's Rice over Henderson at the minute. I think Mount is brilliant box to box. And I said this a couple of weeks ago with, with Josh on Roar, I think where we have a really warped idea of what Mason Mount's about because he had a fantastic youth career. And then he was like brilliant in the Dutch division on loan when he was 18. So this is a player who isn't just Frank Lampard's kind of, wonder child he is a very very good footballer and i think kind of phil phil foden's quality who i have in the number 10 definitely speaks for himself yeah i agree phil foden has really come on especially over the past six months he's shown himself to be possibly one of the brightest young prospects in the world so i think he might he might be one of the mainstays of the england team for many years to come and possibly for this tournament as well um so looking at the attack now um, this is an area which has created a lot of debate. I mean, England have maybe the richest, richest kind of pool of attacking talent that we've had for many, many years. And fitting them all into one team is is quite a tough task. So, Mitchell, who have you gone Yeah, for like you say, this is a attackers? very difficult one to sort of settle on. And I, I mixed this one up maybe three or four times, but I think in the end I've gone for probably just the the all reliable um here i've gone for uh mm-hmm. sterling on the left kane up front and jaden sancho on the right um i mean it, i feel like harry yeah. kane obviously he's the captain he, he's 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 going to play let's be honest whether he's um been in great form or not you know thankfully he has been he's been brilliant for tottenham this season even if they've struggled a bit um uh, he he's a shoo-in for me. Um, Sterling, I actually struggled with because I, I love mm-hmm. Sterling. I think he's a brilliant player and he's been excellent for England lately. He's obviously scored a goal last night. Um, he's captained England on a number of occasions. Uh, I think he's a very, very good player and um, obviously he has been getting more credit in recent years for it, but um, he's certainly a very talented winger and I think he should be starting for this England team. And then obviously... On the other flank, Jaden Sancho, he had a rough start to the season uh, at Dortmund, but he's he's too talented for me to overlook, I think. Um, obviously, he's a big miss at City now. Uh, hmm. Obviously, 
crying myself to sleep every night wishing he'd stayed, but hey-ho. Um, I think he, he's one of the most talented players England have, and it'd be silly of Southgate to completely overlook him, regardless of his form for Dortmund. I think, um, like like with the Alexander-Arnold debate, you know, he's he's been he's had a rough patch, sure, but he's still an outstanding footballer, and I think that Sancho should uh, be starting in the England front line at the Euros. Hmm. I should maybe say my my front four now because it's quite similar to yours in many ways, Mitchell. Um, I've got Kane up front. He's as you say, he's the shoe in. He's the captain. He's the goal scorer. He's everything you want in a centre forward. So he's pretty firmly my number nine. I've got Sterling as well. I think he adds a goal threat which the others maybe don't necessarily contribute. I've gone for Jack Grealish. I think he's been outstanding this season. I think. He's one of the few players I can remember in recent years that has come into the equation when you're talking about one of the best players in the league, despite the fact that he plays for what is generally considered to be a lower mid-table side, you would say. So I would have Grealish there. And maybe my most controversial one would be Marcus Rashford. Uh, Might be slight favouritism because of what he's done over the past year, but I also think he's a very good footballer. He scores goals, he cuts in from the wing. I've seen it live when my lowly little Colchester United went down 3-0 to Man United. He absolutely ripped us apart uh, that night. The same can't be said for people like Anthony Martial. So I've got a soft spot for Rashford and he'd be in my team. Jack, how about you? Yeah, well, I similarly... Well, Rashford's not um, for me in my team. I'd say he's almost third choice on the left hand side because um, I've got mm-hmm. the three uh, I've got left inside left forward inside right forward and striker so I've got Kane up top uh, unfortunately first player but I can't deny how good he is um, then on the right I think Sancho's again another definite because I know Mitchell was saying he's gone through like a rough patch but he's contributed to 28 goals in 31 games Um this season so far which for someone in a rough patch is quite phenomenal and then on the left hand side I've gone for Jack Grealish um, mainly because in this system it's a 3-4-3 with Henderson and Mount quite deep you can have Grealish coming inside and filling that number 10 sort of role with Saka on the outside so that's why I've gone for Grealish over Sterling um, I know Sterling is a bit more direct, but I feel like Grealish adds a bit more creativity. And obviously that leaves out Phil Foden, who I'm a big fan of. But if it was a 4-2-3-1, he'd definitely start at, in the 10 role for me. But in 3-4-3, he doesn't quite get over Sancho or Grealish for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also didn't put Phil Foden in. I've, to be honest, I've not really seen enough of him. I should probably watch a few more Man City games to get a true sense of how good a player he is. But he does seem to be one of the brightest brightest prospects in English football at the moment. Yes, yeah, so um, I've already said Phil. Luke, have you put oh. Phil Foden in your team? Mm-hmm. Yes. You, so yeah, I've yes, got Phil Foden at number 10 in Mountain midfield. Uh, so my front three, if, we, if we're going to call it that, I have Rashford, Kane and Sterling. The reason, the only so what I'll do before I get into this, I'll justify why Jack Grealish isn't there because player for player, mm-hmm. Jack Grealish has been one of the best players in the Premier League this year. 
and deserves to be in the start lineup for England. I have absolutely no issues with saying that. The reason that I don't put him in the team is that his best position is out wide on the left. And I think if you're going to play Harry Kane up front, which is clearly what's going to happen at the Euros this summer, is that you need to recreate what's the, kind of the situation at Spurs. And I don't think you can have a wide playmaker with Harry Kane. You need someone playing as an inside forward who can get beyond him and kind of use that energy off the flanks. And as great as Jack Grealish is, he's a creator and he's not a goal scorer and he's not someone who looks to break the lines and get in behind. So for that reason, I have Rashford on the left and Sterling out on the right because I just think that those two combined with Kane will A, give each of the wingers the best opportunity to score goals and B, it will suit Kane better because he can drop into the hole, kind of play around with Foden and slip the passes through to both Rashford and Sterling who have both proven that they can score whether it be at the far post or whether it be kind of scoring themselves. So yeah, Grealish is undoubtedly a fantastic player and one that I definitely have in the squad. And I think he's going to be so, so useful in games where teams sit back a little bit more and we need that creative outlet. But I just see this England team as being a little bit more counter-attacking than that. And I just think someone like Rashford who has the pace and someone like Sterling who has the pace is more useful than a more technical player in Jack Grealish. I mean, the fact that we're having so much debate over the England team shows just how strong they are at the moment. I mean, during the 2000s, we were talking about a golden generation, and I think that's slowly starting to emerge again. Everywhere you look on the pitch, you've got so many options, you've got so many strong players, so many players who could be there and maybe should be there. So I think that England is certainly one of the favourites for the tournament. So kind of wrapping up that that section of the podcast about (laughs) team selection which maybe took slightly longer than I expected it to Um, I'm going to quickly before the end of the podcast ask you all who your favourites for the Euros are going away from England or maybe even suggesting that England might win the tournament who do you think are the favourites for Euro 2020 starting with you Jack Um, well for me maybe a year ago if, if it was if it took part place this in 2020 I would have said France were nailed on favourites. But having seen how their like key players, a number of their key players have almost fallen out of form. Griezmann, for example, um, Pogba, I know he's coming good of late, but hasn't been at his best. I'm less like, drawn to that and I'm more drawn to Portugal. Um, particularly because yeah. they've got quite a young but good core set of players and and obviously retaining the European Championships won't be easy but they've got quite a good squad depth and if they can get their front line of Bernardo Silva, Bruno and obviously Ronaldo going they're going to be quite unstoppable Um, so yeah I would say France still probably pit them for favourites but Portugal close second for me. Yeah, those those are the two names that I've seen come up quite a lot. I mean, it's, it's quite remarkable that the Portugal team that won now five years ago is probably far far weaker than the one that you see going up game per game now, which is which is quite interesting. Yeah, which uh, have you gone I mean, for like, Portugal um, or France? Like Joe just said, if this was a year ago, then I feel like France would have been nailed on favourites to win a second international tournament in a row. But yeah, uh, a few of those players. When I'm going to 
agree here. Um, I think Portugal are actually, for me, uh, slight favourites over France this year. You know, you, you think of the absolute star quality that they have seemingly in like all areas of the pitch. Like, yeah, they have some ageing players, I think, but this is like their last sort of chance to like really shine on the international stage. You think like Pepe at the back, he was unbelievable against Juventus in the Champions League for Porto. Um, put in a brilliant showing. Um, and I think he's uh, quite a defensive stalwart. You think of Bernardo Silva, Bruno, Bruno Fernandes. João Cancelo has been a revelation a right back this season for City. Um, and then Ronaldo, what more can you say about him? He's, he's unbelievable. He's an amazing player. Um, so for me, I think Portugal have one of the strongest squads going into these Euros. And as much as I'd love to say, oh, England are going to win it. It's coming home, lads. It's um, perhaps not as simple as that. Like Having watched the San Marino match, England were amazing for 45 minutes. And then in the second half, I don't know if like complacency started to creep in because obviously when you're that many up, it's hard to maintain that intensity. But I think England sort of drop off occasionally towards the end of matches and... Uh, Unfortunately, I think that'll hurt us in the uh, in the competition. And um, I would have said Netherlands would have been up there, but under Frank de Boer, unfortunately, I can't I can't see them really challenging for this one. So Portugal are my favourites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Mitchell, I'm very depressed about the Dutch national team at the moment. I watched us against I watched us against Turkey on Wednesday and very quickly I wanted to shut down my computer and I don't know have a swim in the canal or something but um but uh, unfortunately I couldn't do that um a year ago again I would say that the Netherlands would have been one of the favorites we had Ronald Coleman as a manager (laughs) apologies for my weird Dutch pronunciation and 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 we had such a strong team Virgil was fit everything looked like it was it was going to go beautifully and I had tickets to Netherlands against North Macedonia, which would have been a pretty easy game, but it still could have shouted out the national anthem and everything like that. But unfortunately, none of that can happen anymore. And we we have very quickly turned into a distinctly mediocre team again. So, yeah, I would have said the Netherlands a year ago. I would have put the Dutch line on my chest, but now I'm going to go for France, uh, who I just think, even though players have dropped off strong in every area, still got Mbappe you could say is the modern day equivalent of Ronaldo. And I just think they've, they, they could make an 11 three times over, which could compete with most teams in Europe. So I'm still going to go with France. What about you, Luke? Have you, have you got the oh, England three lines tattooed no to your chest? Um, you for me, it's, it's, it's France. It's, it's got to be France. Just looking <laughs> at their team is absolutely ridiculous. The Squawker put out a graphic the other day that had France's depth chart and Theo Hernandez is, is fourth chart. Fourth, fourth choice left back and there's a similar story up front where Karen Benzema obviously isn't in the team and uh, they have such a ridiculous kind of array of riches that they can call upon in, in this tournament and honestly I just can't see how anyone gets close to them and I think if you look at their under 21 team it's even scarier um, the only slight area of weakness for France I think is a right back I don't think Benjamin Pavard is, mm-hmm. is kind of the best right back in the world, but it will certainly do a job. The midfield three looking like Pogba, Kante and Griezmann is just fantastic. Olivier Giroud up front is 
one of the most underrated players in football in history. I think he's only seven goals behind Thierry Henry for France in kind of mm. the all-time rankings. That in itself is just ridiculous. Mm. So yeah, for me, it's France. And I think if you look at lots of the other countries that you'd usually consider as kind of favourites for these tournaments, the Netherlands, as you said, decided to employ someone who wrecked Atlanta United, which is not kind of the best advert of, of humanitarian quality. Um, England, I don't think we're that good. I think we're okay, but I don't think we're kind of finalist quality. Spain are kind of going for a transitional moment. I think Portugal are pretty good as well. Germany, of course, parting ways with their manager at the end of the tournament, who's been there for the what, 14, 15 years now. So no, I think France, if they don't win this, this is a this is a failure for, for Didier Deschamps. Mm, yeah, I agree. As you say, France is under 21 team, I reckon could actually have a decent shout for winning the tournament if they were there as well. Um, but that kind of wraps up the podcast, I would say. I think we've addressed all the issues surrounding England. We've each given our lineups. Um, you never know, they might win the tournament, probably not. Um, and I'm certainly looking forward to to possibly going to the Netherlands against North Macedonia in the summer. Probably not, but I'm still holding out hope. I haven't haven't handed in my ticket just yet. And I always love international football, as I said at the start of the podcast. It's it's a festival of football which you don't really get anywhere else. And it is something that I'm very much looking forward to. Um, before we go, we usually just shout out everyone's social media. So, Luke, you've said this many times before, but I'm going to ask you to say it one more time. Uh, sure. Can so you give us you your can follow Twitter me at Luke James underscore 32 like on Twitter. And if you're on Clubhouse, you can follow me at Luke James, uh, at Luke.James. So, yeah, I got in there early with Clubhouse. Uh, yeah, no clubhouse for me, but um, and Mitchell, uh, I'm Mitch Ryan 2572 on Twitter, um, engaging mostly with the ball sport things. Uh, and I'll probably move on to uh, moaning about City at some point. So, um, yeah, follow me on that. And Jack, finally, um, I guess, well, I've been out? planning to um. Re, almost a rebirth of my Twitter that hasn't been uh, used since about 2014. So um, it's Jack I M McRae um, on Twitter, and you can look forward to some tweets coming soon. I'm similar to, similar to you, Jack. I probably should be using Twitter slightly more, especially now I'm sport editor. But if you want to follow me, I'm at Boma Sam. So B-O-E-H-M-E-R for you that struggle with spelling. And um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my Twitter handle. Um, thank you very much for getting this far, if you have made it this far. And I look forward to seeing you on thank a you. Ball Sport podcast soon. Thank you very much. Cool. No worries. Cheers for having us. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much for doing that. Always a pleasure. Uh, um... I've got a no shoot, worries. but thank you very much. Decent. And torches and cool. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry about it. Cheers, Mitchell. Uh, sorry, sorry for missing your no message, worries. by the way. Yeah. See you later, guys. No worries. Bye. Cheers. Awesome. Right, Cheers see you for later. coming. See you. Bye. Cheers. No Bye. Yeah, see you later, Luke. Thanks very much Bye. for doing that.